Hey, Joshua here. Uh, just finishing up an interview with Becky Connor. Um, sitting uh, in my car outside of her place right now. And uh, want to uh, start off by saying a big thank you to Shanti uh, for recommending Becky. And um, big thank you to Becky for, for uh, agreeing to participate and for showing up so so fully. Um, so we had some difficulties with uh, email, so we almost missed out on this uh, opportunity, and I'm so thankful that we didn't. Um, today's interview uh, was really special. The time that I spent with Becky uh, before and after the interview was, um, I don't want to tempt fate, but uh, potentially life-changing. Um, our connection was really strong and um, sincere, and... Uh, yeah, kind of exactly what I hope for uh, when I when I chat with people, and um, she really seemed to get it. Um, so uh, I hope that you'll uh, glean some good information from our interview, our conversation together. And um, as always, thank you uh, for listening, and uh, come back again soon. We're rolling here. Uh, how old are you, for the record? Sixty-one. Great. Who are you, and how do you describe yourself? Who am I? <laughs> uh, I feel a little poetic. <laughs> I am. I. Uh, I mean, on a on a conventional level. I'm Becky Connor. I'm I'm a somatic psychotherapist, a Rolfer trauma integration specialist, and very connected to earth-based spirituality and contemplative practices. And on a spiritual level, I'm I'm none of that. <laughs> You can say whatever you want. <laughs> that's, a, that's good enough. For okay. <laughs> so we'll just dive in here. Um, what concerns you about the state of the world and humanity right now? My main concern is, uh, is collective field trauma and... Um, my my whole life has been just personally growing up and then professionally and and psychologically and spiritually my whole life has been dedicated to to trauma and unwinding trauma and um i grew up all in different countries in the world in different parts of the united states and grew up in a, a very traumatizing family unit and then I've spent my whole life seeking um, forms and knowledges and systems and cultures to unwind trauma, both within myself and looking at social paradigms. Yeah. And like we were saying earlier about, to me, walking on this soil in Central Oregon, 
all the collective trauma of the Native Americans that uh, have been decimated under our feet and the, the, the basic frozen encapsulation of that in the trauma of inequality and uh, denial. The, on one level, denial is a very important function, but on another level, uh, we need to move through it. And I feel living in Central Oregon with the enormous level of inequality here um, and lack of uh, understanding of why is it all white, the racist history of Bend, the racist history of Oregon, um, the recent, you know, very, there are people alive today in Warm Springs that were taken from their families and put in schools and had their hair cut and had their language stripped from them and raped and that's just in recent time, you know. So I just feel like all of that uh, needs to be addressed in, um, in compassionate containers, but not afraid to face all the shadow emotions as well as the, uh, the download of the collective wisdom that holds us. So it's passion, I'm very passionate, it's my vocation. Everything about me is towards that and for that, in, both within me and around me. Mm. Do you have any sense of uh, why or where that came from, how, how that became such a part of you? Yeah, just surviving in my family of origin, like from the get-go. And then growing up in all different cultures at the same time, experiencing my family's total abusive uh, craziness, basically. And, and they were fed with the understanding of their paradigm of increasing wealth. And um, it was fed by a lot of different things, but. Uh, it's also tied in with the, with the birth of this country and their family lineages in what, what, what was expected of their family lineages, my heritage, to take over this country. Hmm. Land grab at the expense of people. It still translates in terms of money and growth at the expense of people and human dignity. But I had also the good fortune of living and breathing in Asia, growing up through that in different parts of this country, like in the South when Martin Luther King was shot. And, and so I got to go to school during integration, during the riots. So I knew that my trauma was also, I felt my little nervous system as a kid was so wired also to observing the social feeling the, the social trauma, and then, then being in Asia while Cambodia was being carpet-bombed by uh, me, me, by my American 
roots being in that field growing up. Be, so I was born into it, I guess. What do people mean to you? People mean, uh, for me, you sitting here, uh, allow, uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to actually join, <laughs> join our bodies. Uh, for me, you sitting here and us being able to speak at this level is grounding. And I don't feel alone and I don't feel as isolated. And I do feel the sharing of you, your, the, the honor that you can actually feel what I'm feeling is neurologically the, the we, mm. the neurobiology of we. Our nervous systems are sharing this moment, speaking, and these fractions of belonging mm. that have occurred through us and our humanity. Mm. So you, you as a human that I have just met, are holding together, we are holding these difficult subjects. I couldn't do it without you in this moment, you know. But it's also that you're so available, you, you, you know, your eyes are soft, you're feeling the, the collective pain. And this is, this is, this vulnerability is what it's gonna, is what it takes to unwind the, the fractures. And that's what I feel people, if we can do this for each other a lot more, it will begin to open these hard shells that have wounded our sense of belonging. And we can really create true belonging. Uh, I've, I've defined uh, a community as our relationships to one another and the world we live in. That's my definition of community. And uh, I've spoken to a lot of people who who place relationships as uh, paramount to everything. They say that, and um, I think they mean it. Uh, so in that sense, uh, might not be full science, but the deductive reasoning would suggest that everybody thinks that community is the most important thing we have. Um, considering that um, why are we struggling so hard with equality, equity, um, racism, the phobias, um, greed, and selfishness? Well, when I was listening to some of your podcasts, I, I kept feeling that community is not just people-centered. It's, it's also non-people, like the air, 
the trees, the food, the, the, our ancestors' voices, the, the, all, all the beings that have gone before us, the beings that haven't yet, both human and non-human, plant and animal. This is the community. And I feel that um, sometimes when we're so wrapped in fear, but we don't know it's fear, but there's like an emptiness inside, that there's a grasping into another human that just sort of placates that anxiety. We were talking about the beer culture and the pot culture, the recreational pot culture in Bend. But, and um, in one way, yeah, okay, so I feel better that I'm joined in with all these humans and we're, we're uh, experiencing community. But there's also, to me, a longing for a, a deeper uh, connection in which life comes from and informs us. And I feel like there's a lot of fear in people to actually um, acknowledge the, the full depth and breadth of what we are actually related to, because it would mean surrendering our rational understandings and our control. Hmm. And there might be painful things that emerge. So I, I've lived in intentional communities. I've been a big part of communities. But I also feel like the reciprocity of, a conte of contemplative, intimate, connection with the non-human community um, can, can inform a deeper part of our soul that then can come on back out into the people relationship and, be, and kind of notch it up a bit, like notch up the level of conscious a bit so that we're not just spiraling on the same frequency of basically anxiety and fear and then reaching out and grabbing for another to help. I mean, that's a good thing to reach out for another to help us. Mm -hmm. But um, I just feel like we need that there's a demand for a ne the next level of consciousness to emerge. And I think part of that is opening, availing our nervous systems to be informed by like the native people would say, all of our relations, whether it's past, present, or future, animal, human, or ancestor, to know that we're a, we're a, we're we're um, we're in a field, we're in a stream that's available to us. That's community. <laughs> Uh, so since my interview with Jared, I've been explaining to people um, that he's responsible for helping me reframe this question. So um, with your knowing, knowing him, you'll probably have a better understanding of what he meant than even I might. <laughs> but uh, the question I asked uh, Jared was something to the effect of, of uh, you know, what gives him hope for a better future. 
now the question I ask because of uh, the lesson that I learned uh, with Jared is, do you think that we will accept responsibility to uh, take the actions necessary to have a better future? Well, the Dalai Lama, I, I had a good opportunity to practice with the Dalai Lama for a while. And, and I've heard other spiritual teachers at Spirit Rock also say this in the, in the Buddhist contemplative practice. I've, I've, I've also heard people in the, in the Catholic contemplative practice, the mystics, you know, all religions have a mystical branch. And I've heard different people say that it only takes 15% of a population group to, to kind of transform, to send that yeast that fermentation through the whole collective. So I don't think that, to me, I can't, I, I personally can't imagine 100% of the population taking responsibility for uh, inner, uh, inner, inner work, which I think is necessary for a transformation to occur. But there's a part of me that might think, well, maybe there's 15% <laughs> around the world, especially now with the internet, where people and our dire, the dire straits upon us, the pressure. So it's like the birthing pressure. And there might be maybe 15% that um, would be willing to take a deep dive. But I am encouraged by people like Charles Eisenstein that are, are willing to present, to speak against the stream, and Thomas Hubel and, and other, others that are speaking against the stream and speaking to, uh, you know, like presenting new paradigms of economy, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and, and livelihood. Mm -hmm. and, so they give me hope. I also feel like, like my, my teacher and Jared's teacher, Thomas Hubel, he also says that we are walking forever and our, you know, it's like each one of us here on this planet also has the knowledge of all beings that have ever lived, animal and plant and marine and human. That's a lot of, that's a lot of life force that's encoded in our DNA. Mm -hmm. So we have all that wisdom and knowledge and all those breaths that have been breathed and exhaled in us. So, and if we're walking forever, like even if this paradigm changes drastically, I, I do tend to align with Thomas Hubel in thinking that it, it is a forever commitment, so w w what we do, even in a conscious si sipping of a tea, um, has like a hologram effect. And for me, it, it's about invoking wholeness and, and mind-body synchronicity. So. 
And, and for me, it's a, a lot of healing my felt sense trauma and my, and my felt sense trauma of the collective by actually like uh, going through the process of feeling the pain, feeling the anger, feeling the neurological contractions change, you know, bearing witness to other people in their, in their transformation, in their courage to face the shadow and the light. Mm. Fifteen percent is like a billion people. <laughs> Maybe it's ten. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, I, I I think on occasion people are thrown off by these this um, set of words and 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 kind of like a cultural. Um, understanding or maybe a misunderstanding of them so if the words themselves aren't the right words for you feel free to just make them into different words but um do you, do you have a sense of purpose yeah my my purpose um i mean my purpose for unwinding trauma into my my own and the collective is to be uh so available to the streaming of the divine you know, like, uh, I mean, it, it's not that it's not happening with the trauma in there. It's just I'd be able to perceive it a lot clearer. And um, I just want to be this be, big being of light and uh, love and uh, compassion and in, 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 able to be with people. What, like so, so that my container is so big because I've faced myself so strongly that that I won't flinch, or that I could be that in the presence of the situation, you know, whatever presents itself. Mm. I'd say that's my purpose in a way. Is like. Um, being totally infused with the, with the incarnation of the divine, <laughs> that I could incarnate it within me. I mean, it already is here, but like big, in a big way. <laughs> <laughs> cool. You know, as we talked before, we started recording um, we are able to identify um, areas that could use some improvement in in our culture and society and humanity and in um, ourselves. I've been thinking a lot about th this idea of, of awareness and raising awareness but I get lost in um, what to do with the judgment do you have any thoughts on that yeah it 
it's a big struggle in my life and um, I think we were speaking earlier about um, the process of metabolizing and, and I see emotions as calories, like food calories, and we have to digest them and we digest them a lot in our stomach and a lot I feel for me when a judgment arises that I've popped it up out of my say say it's real it's anger or sadness or helplessness or righteousness all of these things and when I when I am not fully digesting those within myself Usually I pop it back up in the mental and then it becomes, becomes blame and pointing. And for me personally, I feel like it's very important to, to point out injustices. Like, it's not about suppressing the voice. My problem currently <laughs> is, is um, softening my anger around blame and judgment and when I go deeper so that I can express it in a way that can be received and also not like couch everything in the history of of where it's come from and why these things are the way they are now like I really love Ta-Nehisi Coates and I respect that he spends, before he even utters something out in public, he spends years researching the facts so that he has a history under his belt so that at least when he's under pressure, uh, in my view, watching him, um, he, he's just not coming from his own personal injury, which is, which is huge, but he has the facts behind him that are that are historical, so that it can actually be f fed to a bigger field. And I feel like for me, before I start, uh, I feel like that's why I'm holding back my voice because I haven't fully digested my own anger and rage, and um, and that comes down to a hologram like of my own personal like family of origin or or being a woman in society or what we were talking about earlier like the injustice of the economics in bend and the price of living and the jobs not for the people who have who work here there's there's a lot of jobs that don't that, that don't meet the meet the balance so what do you do with that you know and i i um I'm in the middle of that vortex, you know, and um, there's also a fear in me that to speak out, to speak, to point the uncomfortable things out, it is is a is a recipe for annihilation and death and isolation and persecution, because that also is shown in history that that is true. But at the same time, I feel like we're never going to proceed forward 
both individually and collectively if we pretend like everything's okay. In, in, um, in that systems are broken and in in we need a global overhaul if we're going to be able to live as a planet. Do you have any closing thoughts? Well, I really, I really appreciate you, Joshua. And I, I feel that you're doing amazing, heroic work, just stimulated from an inner impulse. And, and um, I feel like isolation is one of the tragedies of, uh, of our community. And you're, you're breaking that. And, and also you're coming to people like so it's a humble and amazing thing you're doing and I hope that in your future that much gratitude and abundance comes back to you because you're you're reweaving the spider web you're re the dream catcher you're reweaving the broken fragments by by doing this and it's not it's not not noticed so thank you becky thanks a lot